Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. And welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or as I like to think of it, Jenny and Hank. This podcast is a comedy podcast about death and stuff, where we answer your questions and give you dubious advice and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. Though this is a pre-recorded episode, so you might not get so much news as things that happened one time. Jenny, thank you for joining us. This is Jenny Lawson, author of several New York Times bestselling books. Uh, and also just very good humorous writer on the internet, author of Furiously Happy, and most recently, You Are Here, an owner's manual for dangerous minds. How you doing? Hello. I am so glad to be here. Um, also, I am joined by my dog, uh, Dorothy Barker, who will hopefully be quiet. <laughs> um, I am... <laughs> bribing her with so many <laughs> treats she is probably going to have explosive diarrhea at some point um but it's totally worth it but after the podcast it, is the goal here with the explosive diarrhea exactly exactly because if it doesn't happen in the moment it doesn't really happen that's right yes good advice already <laughs> we're coming at it um what kind of dog is dorothy barker she is a papillon and she is staring at me um with these needy little eyes uh, mm-hmm. I, I actually, right before this, I was trying to get everything together and I had this plate full of chicken nuggets and I had a bunch of treats that I was going to give her, including these treats that look shockingly like chicken nuggets. Um, and the, uh, okay. chicken nugget shaped ish treats are actually, uh, anal gland cleaners and I accidentally oh. ate one. Because it just looked oh my. so much like, so I think I may have poisoned myself. Um, but I, well, you know, you don't, you don't know uh, what's the active ingredient in the anal gland cleanser. It might be good for I you. I didn't look, I, I will have very clean anal glands in my coffin. So that'll be good. Um, <laughs> I don't know if people even have anal glands, um, but it tastes Damn. That's a great question, and I, one that I don't really want to know the answer to. <laughs> there are certain things I feel like there's so, there are so many things that like uh, that that the modern world wants us to know that I'm like, you know, I just want to eat a hot dog, yeah. and I don't want to have all this information about the hot dog in my mind. It's fine. I know that the hot dog is safe. The Food and Drug Administration said so. I trust them, and I don't care if I'm eating lips or if I'm eating. You know, butt muscles. Butt muscles are apparently fine things to eat. You can have pork loin and that's fancy. But just because it's lips, suddenly I have to be upset about it. No, I don't even want to know. Just feed me the the food. Exactly, exactly. Well, I'm Czech and my family, we eat weird stuff. And sausage is a big part of our life. So so I literally know how the sausage is made and still eat it. Still completely love a good sausage. Um, but, but yeah, it, it does, it does take a, a moment when you kind of realize exactly what's going into 
the things that you when eat. you've seen how the sausage is made literally 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 yeah actually the the cleaning of the intestines to stuff the sausage in was to me the hardest part after that i was like i don't even care if there's lips and buttholes like right. i'm literally making this tasty <laughs> intestine to stick it in i know where that intestine has been i know what it's there for and i'm like that's delicious so at that point you're just kind of like yeah all right yeah this is a great yeah. point so in addition to answering our own questions about whether we want to know uh, what was in the pig intestine before it was uh, pig meat and et cetera, which was not pig meat and et cetera, <laughs> we're here to answer questions from people who, who uh, listen to this podcast. But I kind of first want to say, Jenny, I've never had a conversation with you in my life. So this is that we're recording our first ever conversation. <laughs> Which is weird. I was just like, I need people to make podcasts with me who aren't John. Who do I like on the internet? And then you said yes. And I was like, oh, okay. I, it was a surprise to me too. Both that you asked and that I said yes. Um, it, it, is, oh. it is a very, it's a weird <laughs> world that we live in where the first conversation that you have with someone who is essentially a stranger, but is also not a stranger because you've followed them on, on Twitter for so long that you're like, oh, I totally mm -hmm. know this person. And the first conversation is recorded on the internet, giving dubious advice to complete strangers. And I think that's so fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's also a little bit like, it's a little bit of a shame. I wish that I'd like run into you in a bar <laughs> sometime where I can be like, oh, and we can, but no. <laughs> So that will still happen in the future. Yes. But this first time, we have to be aware that there are like tens of thousands of people listening to us as we have our very first interaction. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, and you know, it actually works out for me because I have um, avoidant personality disorder. And so I don't like to leave the house and I'm extremely introverted. And so sometimes the only way that I actually deal with people is accidentally on a podcast or, you know, things like this. So it actually works out well. Okay. It's better than meeting at a bar I'm glad. because I'm glad I, I got... go to a bar. So, but now I can be like, you can come to my that house seems, when you yeah. come to Texas next, come on over. And that'll totally work. That sounds great. Cause I always do want places to go when I'm in Texas. Cause generally I'm like, where, what am I doing? And where, where do you live in Texas? <laughs> in San Antonio. Well, upper San Antonio, outside okay. of San Antonio, but Close to San right. Antonio. When I'm on tour in Texas, which occasionally will happen, I, um, I, I tend to find myself not feeling super enthusiastic about that state. So yeah. I do need some native Texans to show me the greatness of it. I completely get it. Um, and I've lived in Texas my entire life, born and raised. Um, and I still have a hard time with it sometimes as much as I love it. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, yeah, I completely get that. This first question comes from Barbara, who asks, Dear Hank and John, the other day I was buying berries at a local stand, and after saying hello and placing my order, the shop assistant started to fill the containers, and I stood there in silence, waiting for her to finish measuring the weight. The silence felt awkward, but I didn't know what to say, and probably neither did she. What should I do in situations like these? Pretend to check my phone? Start talking about why I need the berries? Dubious, dubious advice appreciated. B&B, &B, Barbara and berries. I don't like, first of all, I think that the person who's filling, correct me if I'm wrong, the berry order does this all the time. And so probably doesn't feel awkward about it anymore. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And really, they should have these conversation starters that are that are already there. That's part of the of the service. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not just ordering berries it. here, berry person. I'm also ordering a, a non upsetting conversation. Exactly. Entertain me, Barry person. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I just, I officially disagree with this. I do. There's a very, uh, so we, we have cherries here in Montana. There's cherry season. It's coming up. It's close. I've got a cherry tree. There's several in my neighborhood. And I can see them getting redder every day. Uh, so cherry season is coming. And then once cherry season comes, you go out to the, the, the cherry areas of Montana. You go to the cherry stands on the side of the road and there's one that's very good that's by a donut shop. And so you sort of like fool yourself into thinking, I'm going to go get some really good cherries, but you actually are going for donuts. Oh. And they are very entertaining. And, and like, basically, you feel as if you are from, like, you have been invited into their home and 
and and for that purpose and for for that service, I do feel like I am paying extra for those particular cherries. That is fantastic, but it is also the reason why I think I don't like to leave the house because that feels like extra <laughs> payment if I have to talk to people. Right. Um, just because Bang I'm so bad at it. Uh, right. You're paying extra to have to interact with a person, which is something that I would love to do, whereas something that you would not love to do because different people are different. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I have a friend, Laura, and she is so brilliant at, um, you know, we'll be in a cab and I will immediately get to the awkward silence and she will go straight to asking these great questions. Um, and the questions are so oh. fantastic of, you know, like, where, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Why did you, you know, what's the weirdest thing that's ever happened in your cab? What's the best thing that's ever happened here? What's the, and she ends up have, getting these fantastic stories from people. Um, and I wish I could do that, but instead I just sit there and think, I have nothing to say and this is getting more and more awkward and I just pretend to be on my phone is what I do the entire time. Right. Or I say like, oh, I've lost my voice, um, which I realize I said out loud. So obviously I'm a liar. <laughs> no, it's on rest. I'm on vocal rest. My doctor's ordered me. Oh, doctor's I like orders. that. I like, oh, vocal rest. Oh, it sounds like I'm an opera singer. Oh, I'm going to do, I'm writing that down. Look, you're giving me such good <laughs> advice. I don't. The, the thing is, you don't have to pretend to be on your phone anymore. There's always something there. So it's. I'm not pretending. I'm looking at like the literal dissolving of of democracy in real this time. Is this is this true. Is, it's yeah. I'd it's happening right now. I'd I'd rather <laughs> look look at the fairies. And you know, you can always do compliments. That's that to me. I mean, everybody always wants to hear like, "Oh, your berries look mm. nice." That sounds sexual, but. Like if you really are looking at berries, then you should be like, these are great berries. They're very robust. Um, don't say that if they don't have berries. That's inappropriate. But. I don't think we're going to do any better than that. So we've got another question. This one comes from Hannah who asks, dear Hank and Jenny, I'm currently eating a salad for dinner, but there's a problem. A lot of good ingredients are in my salad, but I can never get that mix right where the way that produces that good lettuce to other stuff ratio. There, I've paraphrased and torn apart this question. I apologize, Hannah. <laughs> Therefore, my question is, how do you mix a salad thoroughly? Any dubious advice appreciated? My last name is not banana. Hannah, is it Montana? Because that's what I was thinking. Is that it? You were Miley Cyrus's alter ego. Is it? Um, oh, I was going to say, what was that? Hannah Barbera? Oh, yeah. Hannah Barbera. I think Barbera was a different guy. as two two guys, Hannah and Barbera. Oh. But I, who, know, I always you thought know. it was like, like a, like a, plucky young lady who was making, you know, great TV. Well, that makes me sad now. I'm you just sorry. killed yeah, Hannah sorry about the bad news. Sorry about the bad news regarding people who are making any content um, <laughs> before 1980. Yeah. That's disappointing. All right. I'll, now I feel like I have to apologize to Lucille Ball, who was the, like, the thing that made TV happen. So just everybody, I know Lucille Ball is the best. And made TV happen. Thank <laughs> God for Lucille. Uh, what were we talking about? Salad. Salad. There's a place at my, at like one of my grocery stores offers a, a cup that's just like a pretty big cup. And it has salad dressing like stuffed in the top of the cup. And then like the, the lid that you would put on a, like a frosty where you can like fill it up mm -hmm. into the lid you know what I'm talking. Mm -hmm, Does it just mm -hmm. make sense to you? And yes. then you put the straw in, but it's got the salad dressing in a cup inside of a, a cap like that. And then you pour the amount of dressing you want in, you put the cap back on and you shake it up. And I love this because they've already proportioned everything perfectly for me. Um, and, and the only bad thing is that sometimes there's olives and I, I hate those so much, but the chickpea ones are very good. So I like this and I kind of wish that all salads came with some kind of shaking system. Um, you know, I like that idea. I wish that salad came with less salad um, just because I don't like the lettuce is like the punishment part of the salad. Like you're trying, you're like, oh, I'm going to eat the lettuce so that I sure. can get to the stuff. So that you're, you saying, you're saying that the proper lettuce to stuff ratio is, is zero. zero to one. Zero to one. That is exactly right. Yeah. I mean, the best salads are 
tuna salad, which is just tuna and mayonnaise <laughs> or chicken salad, maybe put some egg in there. You know, maybe if you're like feeling real wild, do like a little green apple and some pecans and, but right. Yeah. That's, that you did, you did include some non meat. Right, that's like good. A little, a little, not a, you, not a lot. You brought not, a plant to the game. We're not going to go crazy, but um, one thing, like I, I have the same problem with that. There's too much, too much salad and I uh, too much lettuce and roughage and like the healthy part. And I don't like to eat it because it's so big. Like the pieces of lettuce are enormous. Um, so one thing that I do is I ask for my salad to be chopped, even though it's not a chopped salad. And it is mm -hmm. so helpful because mm -hmm. it's smaller and so much easier to eat. And especially like if you're on yeah. a date or you're eating in front of somebody else and you have these like long pieces of lettuce instead it's just like it's pre-chewed it's <laughs> a great point it's so good yeah this is like a huge a huge piece of lettuce is sort of a cumbersome thing to encounter it's not like you don't usually think of lettuce or salad as like a fork and knife kind of deal but i feel like if you're giving me the hunks of lettuce that big i'm either going to be you know like sort of folding it over after it's in my mouth to get the whole thing mm -hmm. in there which I will do yeah. Oh, yeah. because I have no shame, but, or, you know, pre-cut a little bit. I, yeah, that's a great point. You got to make the lettuce the same size as the other ingredients. If you got chickpeas in there, you need chickpea sized exactly. lettuce. Exactly. The thing that bothers me is, um, for some reason when I order and I'm like, I want a Caesar salad, but I want it chopped. And they're like, Oh, a chopped salad. And I'm like, no, a chopped salad, there should be an ED there. And they're like, oh, no, we call it a chopped salad. And that doesn't make sense because we don't call it a grilled chicken. It's a grilled chicken. And I don't know why chopped salad, why people drop the, it's the same syllable. Like you're not saving time by saying chop yeah. instead of chopped. That's Sorry, I'm I'm very negative about it. It's this. a good it's a good hill to die <laughs> on. I think that you definitely should should fight this one. It's, fight this one hard. It's a, that's, I think that's a really important one for us to get yes, right. Yes, it's it's very important to me. Dear Hank and Jenny, I'm writing to you from the public library. I have grown up here, starting from picture books to my very first chapter books to YA novels in the teen section. I'm a college student. Now looking in the teen section has left me disinterested more than usual. I worry that I may have grown out of YA. My mom told me to move on to adult fiction, and a lot of those are about women with kids navigating divorce. I feel like I'm not old enough to appreciate these adult emotions and messages and midlife crisis crises? I'm going to say, say crises. Yeah. Sure. I still connect more to teenagers trying to find their place. So what do I do? What books would you recommend for a confused in-between adult like myself, Paul, Sarah? Hmm. I, there are a lot of books. So the thing about books for adults is that they're all the books. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and some of those books are, I, I, I like, if your mom's like, honey, read this book about, uh, about divorced mothers. <laughs> She may be trying to say something else to you than <laughs> I found the right book for you. Um, it, yeah, because there, there, are, there are books for people at all stages of life. And finding recommendations is sort of the trick there. And my suggestion for finding recommendations would be to go into a bookstore and be like, hey, I feel like, you know, this, this, the sort of high school stories aren't working for me anymore. And I'd like some more, like, more grown-up stories for people who are more like me. Here's some stuff I like. What do you think about that? And then the person will be like, I sell books for a living. This is the conversation that I literally love to have every day. It's why I have this job. Amen. Um, and also, like, Twitter can be a great place to ask for, I like this kind mm -hmm. of book. What should I read next? Um, I, I remember when I was a kid, actually, when I was in third grade, I started stealing all of my grandmother's books. Um, because I wasn't allowed to read the <laughs> books that I wanted to read. And so I like stole all of her Stephen King books and like, I would give them back. Like I would just, you know, steal them for a week and, and read them. And I read all BC Andrews. I read like all the books that really kids should not read, but I absolutely, <laughs> I was just like desperate for something new. And, um, and actually I think that really instilled in me this love of reading this feeling of I'm getting away with something, this, this terrible thing mm -hmm. that I'm not supposed to do. And that terrible thing instead of like drugs was I'm reading, um, <laughs> which is like, that is not the experience I had with reading. And con <laughs> I continue to feel like every hour I spend reading is like the world is, is smiling upon me and saying, you have spent your time well, son, <laughs> which I, 
Uh, that is how I feel about books is that like, I am not watching TV right now. I am not on Twitter right now. I can, as long as I'm reading a a story on paper or in e-ink format or whatever, then I'm, I'm spending my time well, which is one of my favorite things about reading is that I don't ever feel bad about it. Oh my gosh. No, I feel, I feel really guilty in the best possible way. Like I love, I love Mm. the, it's like I'm stealing time and I'm stealing these stories, even though they're, they're freely given, there's something about, it's almost like I'm tapping into someone else's mind. And I think that's so great. And and I remember being, you know, the, yeah. in between the, the YA, which I still read YA constantly. So I don't, I don't think you ever grow out of YA. Cause if you do, uh, there's something wrong with me because I love it. Um, well, there, there, yeah, there, there may be some YA books that aren't good. Yeah. It, you might have just gone through it. And also, like, I find it's very useful to mix things up. Like, I, like if I read eight Harry Bosch novels in a row, I'm like, I don't really like Harry Bosch novels that much, it turns out. And then I read, like, a bunch of other stuff, and then I read another Harry Bosch novel. This is like a detective novel by Michael Connelly. Then suddenly I'm like, I love these so much. It's just, yes. yeah. It, I have the same problem when I binge watch a show. I'm like eight, like the, the fifth episode. I'm like, I don't really like this show that much because I've been watching it for five hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm the exact same way. Um, what I think is really interesting is the, the authors that I found that became basically like my best friends when I was growing up are still in my head, my best friends, um, like mm. Ray Bradbury and Shirley Jackson and Neil Gaiman and Alice Walker. And when I go back to those books, it feels like I'm revisiting these old friends. And I think that's just such a wonderful thing, but you don't know until you really get into the different genres to see, what do you like? What do you do? I don't think I've ever read a book about divorced women and, and children. That sounds really incredibly boring. Yeah, um, I have. There's, a, there's a fair amount of literature on that on that topic, and i i have uh, I've always found it a little bit not super for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't do it for me either. But like everybody has a a, a different thing. Find that find that thing. I, the greatest yeah. part is going to the library and you know reading the first two pages of a book and either being like this is crap or this is amazing right. and. And so often, mm-hmm. you know, I'll pull up something and it's, it's probably brilliant because it's won a million awards and I'm, it just doesn't do it for me. But then something else I'll find right. and I'm like, how do people not love this? This speaks to me. Oh my gosh, they're in my heart. Like I, it, my heart hurts because I feel yeah. like somebody else is here. So finding that is. I had, I had a, I got to, I got to open up about a weird experience I had recently where um, I, I ran out of books on Audible so I had my, you know, my, my audiobook collection. I, I ran out of things to listen to, but Catherine and I share an Audible account. And so she had, you know, she, she has different interests than me, at least in my own head. This is my wife. Right. And, uh, and I, so I was just like, I just downloaded The Secret Garden uh-huh. by Frances Hodgson Burnett. And I started listening to it and I was like, this is the best story. I love it so much. <laughs> and I like, I would never have bought that on my own. I would never have been, like, you know, you look at my selection, it's like a bunch of sci-fi and mystery novels and, and like, you know, good, good samurai fighting. Right. Uh, but yeah, but I was like, absolutely. And then started listening to more of those books. And, and in a weird way, like when you were talking about feeling like finding an old friend, e- even though I hadn't read those books before, it, it kind of felt like, oh, this is a place where I feel very, very comfortable. Yes. And uh, yeah, so you never know. And, and also like classic literature is a great place to go. There's like a reason that those things are classic. And you can also look at the things that are winning awards right now. Like the the, the books that you hear about, this is the thing that I always like sort of rankle at books that I like that are on the, the newsstands everywhere and everybody's talking about them. I'm like, well, they must be, you know, popular books. They're pop books. They're probably, and then I read one and I'm like, this was so good. It turns out people have, have pretty good taste. Yes. Yes. It's, and, and also, you know, right now there's so much of a push for, diversity in writing, which is fantastic because you get so many people that you've never heard of before Mm -hmm. and you get so many experiences that you never knew about. And it's so absolutely to be able to get into new mindsets that maybe you never did before. And, And it's so much 
easier in some ways for people to get a book published and you can find people out there who are like, okay, well, I, I wrote this and I put it up and it's available online and, you know, two people have read it and you can find it and discover it. And I think that's really amazing. Yeah, we're in a sort of an amazing time for for fiction. I feel regularly that I like sort of a, a, a regret deep inside of me that I won't get to read all the books. Yeah, yeah, it's... There, and that's where that's, we're at. That's such a, that's such a good problem. <laughs> like, like the saddest, the saddest thing about books is that I don't get to read that's all true. of them. I feel the same way about cats. I'll never, I'll never <laughs> get to pet all of them. This next question comes from Kate, who asks, "Dear Hank and Jenny, I have anxiety and depression. It's pretty bad. For years, I have dealt with it by running and with a medication. However, I recently have been told that I need to stop running for quite a while due to a severe injury." I'm freaking out. How am I going to survive without my coping mechanism? Any dubious advice is appreciated. Pumpkins and penguins, Kate. P.S. Please don't tell me to swim because that's horrid. <laughs> well, that's I was going to say go swim. So oh, was it? Maybe Were you actually? <laughs> I was. I was going to be like, here's some really good advice for you. Well, damn it. Never mind. We're not going to do that. Maybe there, maybe there are places to swim where it isn't horrid. I want to know more about why Kate thinks swimming is horrid. Sometimes I feel like swimming is horrid because I do it in a pool with a lot of other people. And I'm like, why am I taking a bath with all of these other humans? Yeah, that's basically toilet water if, if, it's, <laughs> if it's a pool that hasn't been cleaned. Um, so so I do, I do kind of get it. But also, you know, I eat intestines. So at a certain point, <laughs> you just have to grin and bear it and just be like, this is really refreshing. It, especially in Texas, that's pretty much all you can do. It's right. so hot here. You can't run. You're going to die. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not, a yeah. hard one. It is. It is. And especially if you found this thing that you rely on. Um, yes. And of course, like it has to be something to do with conversation with your doctors. There, there are lower impact things than running. Biking is a really, I find biking to be personally much less, much more enjoyable than running. Um, and I do have bad knees and don't have a problem with run, with biking the way I do with running. And also you get places much faster. You get to see more. Um, yes. But that, you know, I don't know if you think that's horrid as well. But, you know, in general, like like once you have found something that's working, it's really hard. And this goes for any sort of like coping with any anything in our lives, whether that's anxiety or whether it's like, you know, ulcerative colitis, which is a disease that I have, like the different ways of, of dealing with chronic pain or, um, yeah, it, when something that has worked stops working, it's like now I ha now I'm back to where I was before, mm -hmm. and that's it kind can of be true. terrifying. Yeah, but it's also kind of it's also kind of not true because you you at least know that you have found a way out before. That that is exactly right. Um, you know, I <laughs> this is a terrible thing to say, but one of the things one of the tools that I used to deal with anxiety was drinking, um, and not like a <laughs> lot, but. Yeah. I, you know, probably at least once a night I'd have a cocktail and it would just, you know, just kind of smooth things out. And about a year ago, it uh, turns out I have tuberculosis, but like not active tuberculosis, but still not good tuberculosis. Mm. But, and, and a lot of people apparently have it. It's, a, you probably have yeah. it. I'm just telling anybody listening, you probably have it. You got TB. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just diagnosed you. I'm not a doctor, but you probably have tuberculosis. Um, we call it consumption because that's more romantic. Um, but for most people, You're they being just consumed. have it. Like, that's exactly. very romantic. How it, is that it romantic? Is. It's, well, it's like being ravaged, but with a, with a cough, I think. Um, <laughs> it's a very romantic disease. Um, mm. But mo like most people, you just have it and you're like, well, that sucks. Make sure it doesn't get worse. Uh, but for me, because of this medication I take for rheumatoid arthritis, I had to take this medication that would kill all of the tuberculosis stuff inside of me. And when you're taking that, it's mm -hmm. really hard on your liver. So for nine months, I had to stop drinking, which was like like getting pregnant, basically, except at the end, instead of a baby, I, I had less tuberculosis. Um, <clears throat> But it was so hard. My new favorite kind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I birthed non-tuberculosis is what I birthed. Uh, and it, it, was, 
it was so hard, even though it was such a small thing. Um, but part of the reason why it was so hard is because I had such anxiety about what was going to happen after I stopped being able to drink every night. And what I found was I was able to find other tools that helped me. And those tools were actually swimming. <laughs> Sorry, that's a terrible answer. <laughs> that was one. Um, but then the other thing was, you know, writing and, um, you know, finding great mm -hmm. TV shows that I could just zone out on. Um, so yeah, just, just knowing that there are other tools, there are other things that you're going to be able to discover. It's, it's going to be scary, but think of it as an opportunity to find additional tools that are going to help you. This next question comes from Isabella, who asks, Dear Hank and Jenny, since you have both lived rather public lives on the internet for the past decade-ish, um, I'm including you in this, it's written to me and John, but this is true of you as well. Yes. Do you find that uh, an opinion you held before is no longer opinion that you hold is no longer an opinion that you hold today. Are you more careful of sharing opinions on serious topics with your audience for fear of saying the wrong thing and or changing your mind later on? Generally, are there any specific topics that you tend not to make public statements about? Isabella, Isabella. I yes, there are definitely topics that I don't make public statements about. Do you want to know what they are? Too bad. <laughs> Tell us. That's the whole thing. I don't want to talk. There is like, I have some opinions that are fairly controversial and I keep them to myself for that very reason. Yeah. I, and I think that's completely acceptable. Um, I, I Thank sort of, you. Feel, yeah, I, I sort of feel the, the same way. Um, I, I think anybody who has read me long enough, it's pretty obvious that I'm, you know, liberal and, you know, some of the basic ideas that I have, but um, I do tend to keep things pretty calm so that everybody feels like they can be part of the community and part of the conversation. Um, as long as you're not mm -hmm. being a hateful jerk, you're, you know, welcome. Um, but definitely there are some things that have, have changed. I used to be, you know, when I was younger, I was really into, um, guns and shooting. And now I'm not. And I'm a big fan of, um, I always say gun control, but recently one of my friends was like, you know what, you should say gun safety, because then people are less likely to automatically say gun control, you want to take all of our guns, which I totally don't. Um, but I'm, I am for mm -hmm. increased gun control. Uh, and, and so that's definitely something that in my time in life, I have yeah. I have changed and, and I try to be, you know, I, I try to talk about it, um, but in a way that makes people say, oh, I never really thought about it that way, rather than say, this is what I believe. And if you don't believe it, you're an idiot. Because not only is, are you not going to listen to me if I say that, but also I'm continuing to change. Like my ideas have changed right. since I was 20 and 30 and 40. I mean, who knows what I'm going to think when I'm 50, if I'm, shut myself off and I don't listen to other people and their experiences and ideas, then I'm going to stop. Like, what's the point of being alive if I think I know everything already? Right. One of my big opinions that like I hope doesn't change is that it's okay to change your opinions. And that's like part of being a person who progresses in life, listens to more people, understands the world more comp in more complicated ways. And, um, and and being public with that opinion, I think, is really good because then when something does change and when you're like, oh, well, I don't I don't like this is the thing that I said in a video 10 years ago, but I don't think that anymore because I learned stuff. Right. Um, then then at least people won't be like sort of taken aback that some some like thing about you has been removed and and the their picture of you in their mind and this might happen um, is is now is now sort of broken and, and that you've betrayed that trust. As long as, you know, as long as it's coming from a place of thoughtfulness and also as long as we started from a place of none of this is set in stone, like we are learning things about how to be humans in the world right now and the world right now keeps changing. And so what it means to be a human right now is going to keep changing. Uh, yeah. You know, and sorry, sorry. You uh, when I when I wrote my last book, I had um, or actually my second book, I had 
this moment where I was paralyzed because I was so afraid mm -hmm. that I was going to say something wrong because you do. I mean, you're, you're human and you're ignorant and sometimes you're stupid and, and have absolutely no idea. And I actually wrote a whole chapter about how there will be something in this book that one day I will look at and go, oh my God, what was wrong with me? Um, and that that's mm -hmm. okay. And that I apologize in advance for whatever that is. And I don't know what it is, but I'm definitely going to say something really stupid. Um, lots of things, probably. If I'm lucky, actually, I will say a lot of stupid things. Yeah. Um, and that, that that's okay. Uh, but for some reason, that was the thing that I needed to write in order to keep going. And, um, I, right. and actually, when I submitted it to my editor, I was like, I'm sure you're going to cut this. But I just felt like I needed to write it just so that I would have it there. And it's like, no, I, I think this speaks to what a, a lot of us are going through right now. And I've had so many people respond to that and say, oh, my gosh, I oh, I thought I was the only one who just felt paralyzed. And like, what do I not know? What am I mm -hmm. saying wrong? What do I because which reminds me that being wrong about stuff is one of our sponsors today. Being wrong about stuff stuff. It's the best. It's how you know that you're growing as a human being. <laughs> and it's also brought to you by Robust Berries. Don't look directly at them. <laughs> oh, no. God. Stop <laughs> looking at my Robust Berries. This uh, podcast is also brought to you coincidentally by Less Tuberculosis. Less Tuberculosis, the best kind of tuberculosis. Also brought to you by Anal Glands. Mine will be clean. <laughs> Yeah, both you and Dorothy's <laughs> yeah. anal glands sparkling and match. beautiful. Got a couple more questions before we get to the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, Jenny, if you're ready for one of those. Sure. Dear Hank and Jenny, what is your innocuous life curse? Do you have a song you dislike but oh. follows you everywhere? Is there a person you rarely see but every time you interact with you wish you hadn't? Is there a part of your car, no matter how much you try to quiet it, always makes a noise? For me, every time I put on a fitted sheet on a bed, the first time I lay the sheet down is always oriented incorrectly. I even put it down, rotated <laughs> 90 degrees. I tried putting it on. No matter what, I have to put the sheet on most of the way before discovering it's on wrong and then adjusting it. Thank you. Patrick. Mm -hmm. um, Patrick, you need a king size mattress. Yeah. It's like, because they're squares. I don't have a king size mattress, but I have heard that they're squares. And so you don't have to worry about this with fitted sheets. I know that maybe this isn't the thing that's going to solve this problem right now in your life, but someday you're going to get to a point. You're going to be like, look, it's time from the curse to end and you'll get a square bed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or stop using fitted sheets. I, I don't use fitted sheets. Just use buy two At of all? the flat ones and just tuck them underneath and it no, works exactly the same. I know. I'm no. It sounds that sounds so wrong to me. Oh my gosh! I feel like fitted sheets were invented for a reason. And if you're telling me that they weren't, then then I feel as if the entire like I feel like this capitalism has betrayed me. That which they, never happens. literally that is the reason why it happened is because capitalism did betray you. Yeah, you don't you don't need to have fitted sheets. Just buy a sheet <gasps> and tuck it underneath there. And also so much easier to fold. I mean, you don't have to fold a fitted sheet oh, anymore. Oh yeah. Well, I don't fold fitted you, sheets. Well, you make a you ball. You do make a ball, but I've seen people try to do it and they're wasting their time. But Absolutely. Yeah, just get rid of the fitted sheet. You don't need it. Okay. Well, I'm going to I'm going to look into this. I'm not taking your word 100% for it, but I my my curiosity is piqued. <laughs> It's so good. Uh, so what is your what is your innocuous life curse? Do you have um, one? I have a whole lot of them. Um, but one, <laughs> one that follows me a lot that has become a recurring uh, family joke is the song by Steely Dan, which I hate so much. And I always call it A19, but I think it's Hey 19. I can't remember. But I am pretty sure it's A19 because he says, A19, that's Aretha Franklin. And A19, that's probably where Aretha Franklin is on the jukebox. Like that's the, so yeah, totally makes sense. So anyway, that I hate sense. that song. Every time it comes on, my husband or my daughter turns it on as loud as it will go. It comes on the radio. Oh, this is, well, this isn't your fault. This isn't an innocuous life curse. It's an innocuous life partner but, well, curse. It's, that, it's both because it comes on all the time, all the time. It's, it just haunts me. 
It is the worst song ever. I, I got this uh, question. I read it and I, I everything I thought of was like something that I was doing to myself. Like I blamed myself for all of my innocuous life curses, like leaving hats places. <laughs> that's not something that's happening to me. It's something that I do to myself. <laughs> I forget about hats. I love the idea that like, oh, a witch laid a curse on me and it's that I will lay hats places. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> I'm just a That's hat a donor. Like, did you want a hat? Follow me around. Eventually, like, probably it'll be like three days before you get a free hat. That is so fantastic. That's how I am with pins. Like, I just steal other people's pins. But it's nice that, that you steal other people's hats. Oh, no, wait. You lose the hats. Wait, I don't steal other people's hats. Oh, I lose the hats. You steal yes, people's pins? of course. I mean, not if they're like a fancy. Like they're lapel. Like they're like a I mean, if it's belt. a fancy pin. No, I mean, just like what the kind of Like, just... Cheap pins. Oh, yeah. pens. pens. Oh, I, pens. I don't know. I was thinking pin, like a, <laughs> like a hair pin or a hat pin or a bell oh, pin. No. Not like yeah, a writing. I take their brooches. Yeah, I the just take the want. brooches right off the old ladies. And I'm like, this is mine now. <laughs> and I'll take this hat. <laughs> That's good. That's a, yeah, this is my, my innocuous life curse is that I, I steal from <laughs> old people. I'm a kleptomaniac, but only from, only from people over the right, age of they 70. They better have good taste. I'm like, this is a terrible hat, you got to move to Florida, girl. <laughs> I, I, I love this bad hat. <laughs> it's fantastic. Take it. This is mine now. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so my all of my innocuous life curses are like, I can't stop drinking Coca-Cola. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. Everywhere I go, there's Coca-Cola. I like If I could flip a switch and suddenly live in a world that didn't have Coca-Cola in it, I would flip that switch. I, I Anybody listening in Atlanta, I'm sure you're mad at me <laughs> because I know they employ a lot of people there. But I like I would destroy all sugar water if I could. Oh, that would I would make, make so it, sad. and I wouldn't just do it for me. I would do it for everyone because I think this stuff is bad. It, but I can't stop drinking it. It's bad for you, but there is nothing that pairs better with a cheesecake than a diet coke. And I will fight oh you on that. God. Oh my god! I cannot eat cheesecake without oh a diet coke. It is so good. That's the crisp, like biting. Oh, especially no. a fountain yeah. diet coke, like where it burns your nose. Oh yeah. Oh man, I like. I can't. To me, a coke is paired like with savory. <laughs> a cheeseburger is a coke. French fries is a Coke. In fact, a weird thing about Coca-Cola is that I can have as many French fries as I can have and then I can't have anymore. But then if I drink a Coke, I can have more French fries. I ate food that let me eat more food. This can't be good. It's meth in a, in a bottle. See, I, you know, I think why I like the Diet Coke with the sweets is because the diet has that bittery, you're going to get cancer taste. And so it's that bitter with the sweet and you're like, oh, I'm doing two bad things for me at the same time. Like I should start smoking too, but I don't, but you know, you got to try. Have you tried cheesecake in a smoke? I have not, but I bet it would be fantastic. Like if I like to smoke, that's where I would start. I want to, I was like me in 20 years is I'm sitting at like on, in the back porch with a cheesecake, no front porch. I'm going to go front porch with this with a slice of cheesecake and a pipe. That's me. That's, that's my future. Oh my, okay. The first time that we meet, it's going to be 20 years from now. It's going to be cheesecakes and pipe. Mine's going to be a hookah pipe because I wanted to try that too. <laughs> so if I'm going to try smoking, I'm going to bring my own hookah. That's yeah, it. It's good. It's good. You got to drive over because, because, yeah. uh, because you got to bring, bring your whole hookah. You can't fit in your backpack. You can't. You can't. Maybe by then you can. I mean, they have like vape things mm-hmm. now. Maybe it'll be a hookah vape. Giant something. hookah vape. Yeah, You know, if nobody's made a giant hookah vape yet, you may have just had a million dollar idea. Somebody needs to send me money. Right. If if anybody ends up making a giant hookah vape, you better get your 10%. (laughs) Yes. All right. (laughs) Um, Let's do one more question before we get to the news from RS and AFC Wimbledon, because I I have a guess that it will be short. This comes (laughs) from Chris, who asks, Dear Hank and Jenny, I've been reading about how the Yellowstone supervolcano is going to eventually erupt and it will be bad for civilization. Apparently scientists are trying to determine ways to stop the supervolcano from erupting. Is it possible to get the US military to bomb the supervolcano and destroy it? Keeping it real, Chris. No. 
That's a really bad idea. Can let's I just put say, let's put a nuclear warhead into the volcano and see what happens. I, let's bomb the volcano is the most American thing I think I've ever heard in my entire life, and I'm a little embarrassed and proud at the same time. I mean, yeah, wow. Like, I, I don't know what we would need to. So, I, like a thing that is interesting to me about volcanoes, a thing that you have to sort of understand about the Earth, is that this the thing that we're all sitting on right now if you're on a continent if you happen to not be on a boat which you may be i'm sure that someone out there is listening from a boat if you are write in let us know uh but if you're sitting on a continent right now you are on a a piece of of uh rock that is sitting on top of basically this sort of like floating magma ocean and it's the it's the lighter rock that has risen to the top um so you know like all the metals and lead are like are, are down in the middle of the earth and the lighter stuff the silica and the granite and all that stuff is floated at to the top but as they collect they put a little bit of pressure these are the big big continents these big hunks of rock put pressure on the magma below and sometimes that pressure comes out in places and so what you want is a uniform, strong, stable rock that doesn't have any holes in it. But if you have a little weak spot, that pressure is going to like, like all that magma is going to find a place to go to that one weak spot. And that is, uh, is what this, what volcanoes are. Um, and there, there are sort of weak spots in the continent that magma finds a way to push through. So if you bomb it, you are making it weaker. I don't think that we could make it measurably weaker. I don't think that we could make it worse, really, unless we were like a really concerted effort and like threw a lot of nuclear weapons into Yellowstone. Uh, but but as far as like how to make Yellowstone not erupt, not a lot of great options because it turns out that the Earth is really big and and uh and strong and, and has very little, like geologically has very little regard for what happens on it. Um, but what we can do is measure and see when it's going to happen. And what we have been able to do with volcanoes recently is have a much better idea of when there's going to be an eruption. I'm a science communicator, Jenny, if you didn't know this. You're so very we, good we had a pretty good, pretty good idea of what was going to happen with Kilauea, that there was going to be a, a significant, thing of some sort happening and then it happened and now it's sort of still happening because that's how Kilauea works. So we have a pretty, like we're able to know, we, we even in 1980 knew that Mount St. Helens was going to erupt before it erupted and we're able to evacuate so that not, not too many people died during that uh, event. But yeah, bombing, uh, bombing it is not a great idea. What we need to do is like move a lot of rock and put it on top of it to keep it down it doesn't pop. I I kind of like the idea though um, of could you get like what is it called liquid nitrogen and just like freeze like have a big just get it freeze real cold. gun make it real make it real real cold that's that's a thing yeah that's I'm sure. yeah you gotta well I mean maybe maybe there's a way to sort of like dissipate the heat in some way the heat has to go somewhere so you could bring like anti heat to it. Yes which would be cold, yes. I guess is what you would call anti-heat. Uh, or or suck the heat out some way and get the, get the heat to go somewhere else uh, so that all that magma solidifies and, and, and blocks all the cracks. But um, what, they, what I once heard is, is that like in the years preceding a Yellowstone eruption, that, that Yellowstone National Park would get higher, it would raise up. It, in, like by tens of feet per month. So like the whole place would just rise up and that would be sort of your, your indication that we were in a lot of trouble. And the good news is that we're not there and we're not in a lot of trouble. Uh, but someday somebody will be, if we're still around to experience that fingers crossed. Yeah. No kidding. The, you know, I'm kind of thinking, did he maybe get that idea from, isn't it like when you have tornadoes, if you could bomb a tornado and it makes it dissipate? Yeah. Is that people have talked about bombing tornadoes? Yeah, and that that is maybe a thing that would work. You're trying to sort of disrupt the airflow between that that sort of like all this hot air on the bottom that's moving up to the cold air up top. You wanted to sort of like blast it in the same way that if like the water spo- like spiraling down your tub, if you just splash it, right. it, stops doing the spiral thing for a little bit. Um, 
And that would work. You just would have to get the tornado to go over your bomb, which isn't easy. Or I guess you could shoot the bomb at the tornado. We're pretty good with bombs these days. I, you know, I saw, um, I mean, I'm not real into science, but I did watch uh, Sharknado. And spoiler, in one of them, there is some sort of like a bomb thing. And it didn't, it didn't super, like helped a little bit, but the Sharknados keep coming. So I think. Oh, it didn't, yeah, didn't end it. Did they put the bomb in a oh, shark? Yes. I, they did. The bomb I was think in so. the shark. And then they shot it into. The, I can't remember. It's it's weird. They all sort of blend in <laughs> together. Um, You've watched. Have you watched all I the have, shark? I'm videos? a very big fan. I'm a very big fan. Yeah. Oh. Um, the the. I, I have not seen any of the Sharknados. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> okay. okay. You know what? We're not going to wait 20 years for hookah and cheesecake. You're going to come over to my house and we're going to watch Sharknado. It's so awful. It's so fantastic. Oh, my God. It's just you cannot watch it and not laugh hysterically. Okay. Oh, it's so good. I'm in. Okay. I'm in. Next time I'm in San Antonio, I'm okay. coming definitely – Hookah porch, cheesecake, Sharknado time. Oh it God. sounds like a fantastic. You don't happen to have any news from AFC Wimbledon, do you? Um, I don't. But could I, since this is going to probably happen in the future, could I venture a guess about <laughs> Mars? Yeah, sure. Make some guesses about AFC Wimbledon. Okay, let's see. So I'm going to say um, AFC Wimbledon, uh, some people win, some people lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yep. That some people are going to be upset. Some people are going to be really happy uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to the Mars stuff. I think life is going to be discovered. That's going to happen very soon. Oh. And um, good, yeah. Can you? Can, uh, so I'm, I'm. This is something I'm legitimately curious about. When the people who lose lose and the people who win win, are the people who are happy going to be happier than the people who are upset are going to be upset? No. Oh, it's too bad. They, uh, yeah, yeah. And that's 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 kind of sad. That's kind of sad. But yeah. it's still worth it because you have to go through <laughs> pain to have pleasure. And then it just makes you happier when your team does win. Which is one of the things that we learned today. What else did we what else did we learn? Uh, I guess that public pools are toilet water, apparently. Thanks for that, Image. We learned that Much appreciated. you shouldn't put um, nuclear bombs inside of volcanoes, but maybe in Sharknados. We learned that fitted sheets are a made-up conspiracy by capitalism. We learned that Steely Dan is terrible. And finally, we learned that we all have tuberculosis, apparently. Thanks for that news, Jenny. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you for joining me on this episode of Dear Hank and John. And thanks to all of you for listening. This podcast is produced by Rosiana Hals-Rojas and Sheridan Gibson. It's edited by Nicholas Jenkins. Our head of community and communications is Victoria Bongiorno. The music that you're hearing right now and at the beginning of the podcast is by the great Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown, don't don't forget forget to be awesome. awesome.